evening, everyone, and welcome to the Fab Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Radio. I'm your host, Gary Morgan. And first of all, I really want to thank everyone that listened last week for all the great conversations after the show. I can't speak for everybody that was involved last week, but Jim probably can later. Um, I, I had some pretty cool conversations with everybody afterwards on social media and in the forums, so um, pretty neat. And we're going to stick with baseball this week. This opening day is now within shouting distance, and I've got a great panel this week. So let's get started introducing them. Uh, first up is my good friend, Craig Toth. I've, I've written with him for a little over a year now over at Inside the Bucks Basement. Then he hosts his own podcast called Bucks in the Basement. Craig, say hi. How you doing, everybody? Next up, uh, if you listened last week, you've already met Jim Stram. Uh, he's kind enough to jump on again this week with us. Jim, say hello. Let people hear those golden radio pipes ears. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, hey, it's good to be back. And uh, we're two weeks away, boys. Yeah, it's getting there. It's getting there. And uh, finally, I've asked my friend Anthony Filippo to jump on with us today. Uh, he has his own podcast called City of Bridges. And uh, he's a part-time contributor over at Inside the Bucks Basement as well. And here's the kicker. Anthony is a baseball fan, a writer, hosts his own podcast, and he's a full-time high school student. This is a 16-year-old kid. This is the equivalent of Bigfoot I'm introducing you to, people. This is Anthony. Say hello. Uh, what's going on, Gary? Thanks for having me on today. No problem. I, I'm very interested to get into your story a little bit more as we keep going here about the brother, but uh, I figured... Uh, Let's get started with a general topic about baseball. It's going to touch on the Pirates a little bit, obviously, because every time there's a rule change, it affects every team differently. But I think some of the rule changes that we've seen from Rob Manfred over the last few years seem to be very, very identified with this pace of play initiative, right? And I keep seeing from him, that's what every single one of these changes is about, is trying to shave minutes off. I don't think we've seen any minutes really shave off. There was a temporary savings I saw ended up coming right back in another form this year in, in MILB, they're going to introduce a couple weird roles like bigger bases. And I mean, we're talking like fractions of inches here. Like they're, they're going to increase them to, and, and people are already affecting out the advanced stats on how that's going to affect everything. So, Anthony, I think you're the target audience for this. I think you're the type of person Rob Manfred wants to convince to watch baseball again. Do any of these rule changes interest you in the slightest or make your experience better? Uh, you know what? I, last year, I did not mind that universal DH. I think pitchers are pretty bad at hitting overall. So I liked seeing that extra DH. I think that's a thing that I know uh, the older crowd doesn't really like that much, but I actually, I'm a big fan of the uh, universal DH last year. I know the pace of play is not, those games are super long. I think that's one thing when I talk to, to kids my age, I know that's one of the things that people uh, say that's like, the games are too long. I won't watch a, a full nine inning game with the, the slow between pitches, whatever. I'm like, well, that's, that's just the nature of baseball, you know? And that, that, that's, uh, that's so slow. to you, the nature of baseball is okay. You don't really I'm, care. To have I'm perfectly fine with it. I'm perfectly fine with that. Okay. Yeah. That's why, that's why a lot of kids, uh, nowadays get into football and stuff. That's the hard hitting. They want the contact. They want all that. Okay. So Craig, you've got small kids too. And I know, uh, their interest comes from you primarily. Yeah, <laughs> why don't you talk does. about that a little bit? Well, for, for me, I don't think anything has to do with the pace of play for them, like wanting to watch the game. And they're actually like the youngest ones are like, I'm trying to introduce them to what the rules are. And with them changing all this stuff, like, like you said, man, it doesn't really, it, I don't know if it adds any excitement to the game. I don't know if it adds any like, takes any minutes off of the game. Uh, I know that in hockey, it's kind of cool when they go to the shootout. They did that because it's like a lot of action and everything. 
putting the runner on second base doesn't really like all it does is it just basically the pitcher who does nothing wrong. If he gives up two long fly balls, he loses the game. Like he doesn't technically get the loss or, but I mean, I know that that very really irritated both of us when they first introduced it. And we, you know, we railed against it. And I got to be honest, towards the end of the year, I kind of didn't mind it as much as I, you know, I mean, it's still like the purist in me still hated it, but I'll never change on that one. I don't yeah. think it just, it just, to me, just, and, and I, I agree with, with Anthony, uh, the, the DH, I was, you know, a, I was so against it. I was, you know, one of those old school guys, but I, once it's thing, I'm just like, well, I've been watching AL games for a long time and I yeah. enjoy those. So as long as it existed on the other side, it's moving it to the NL. It didn't really change, you know, my enjoyment of the game as much, but I could see, you know, putting that extra hitter in there. It it could be good for kids, but I I actually didn't mind that as much as I thought I would. Right. And and Jim, you've also created DNA copies of yourself. So how do you plan on getting, getting that, entity interested in baseball or are you just going to kind of let that happen organically you know it's funny um i don't know that these shaving these 10 and 15 minutes off of a game is is going to do uh what they hope it's going to do um you know i think when you've got small kids and you're interested in baseball and they start watching it with you a lot of that takes care of itself. I, I, I question baseball's trying to get people interested in the game that probably aren't going to be interested in it all that much anyway. Um, we're talking, you know, if you're at two hours and 30 minutes of a game, two hours and 45 minutes of a game, I mean, is it really going to pique your interest if we get it down to 220, 225? I, I, I think you either like the game and you can appreciate it and uh, uh, have some kind of interest in it or have had someone show interest and therefore you're interested in it. Right. But that's, the, the, that's really baseball, I just think, has gotten – and I don't know if it's just to please um, the networks more than anything, and they think, hey, if, if it helps out with fans, great. But um, I just – I don't think – if you're going to do it, hey, this is going to sound sacrilegious. I'd rather you stop touching the game. And if you want to make it a seven inning game, if you want to make it an eight inning game, I mean, th- that to me is a better usage of um, shortening things than trying to just, you know, fundamentally change what we're watching just to bring fr- fringe people in. I, that, you know, that's where I'm at. I tend to agree with you. I think uh, anybody jump in on this, but I always think back to, the early nineties and the, even the late eighties where baseball was still big because baseball was supposed to be big here in Pittsburgh. I mean, it was, it was a big deal because we're, we're only a little over a decade away from winning the world series and, you know, still free agency wasn't quite what it was. Payrolls weren't ridiculous yet. There was a little bit of innocence left to the game. Like there's a chance to win, you know, if you did things right. And so baseball kind of kept its audience. Hockey struggled. I mean, it really did. And it was an exciting game. We had Mario. I mean, it still struggled. I remember when I started watching hockey, like in the late 80s, like 88, 89, you know, right around when we made the playoffs. Um, yeah, it was a really exciting game. Nobody knew anything about it. You know, it took winning to start pulling that audience in. I don't feel like baseball gives enough opportunity to a a large enough percentage of the country to have a winner in their backyard, the way they're set up. I think they can change these rules all they want, but at the end of the day, they come back to, there's not enough chance to win if I'm sitting in the middle of the country. I think that's the part that they need to address, but for me, you're interested. Yeah. For for, for me, the the way that it, it, kind of doesn't get marketed is is it's not on tv like it used to be on the regular tv stations and then it was on at least for us it was on kbl and then you know as it went up to what it is now those were all on but now you have to buy 
the premium packages. And if you try to stream it, it gets, you know, blacked out in certain areas. And I just think that to me, like, that's what, what needs to be, if you're going to have like a, you know, if I pay for the MLB TV, I should be able to watch any game I want to. And it shouldn't matter if I have cable or if I don't have cable. I mean, that's what everybody's kind of gone to. to, uh, People are saying, Hey, I want to cut the cord, but I still want to see my teams. I think all that's kind of going away of the dodo anyway. I I really do. I think everything is going streaming. Yeah. So, you know, to a certain degree, you know, I I know know today. Yeah, I know today, I don't know if you guys saw with the NFL, they just signed a huge deal with ESPN Plus and Amazon. Yeah, bye-bye DirecTV. I mean, boy, what a a nail in the coffin for them. But, uh, yeah, so that's the way it's headed anyway. Um, We're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about um, Gregory Polanco because I think no matter what he does this year, he's going to create a polarizing situation for the fan base, and I'm kind of excited. everybody we're back here and uh i'd really like to go for the jugular here on something i want to talk about gregory Polanco. i want to talk about what would happen to this fan base if he were to hit 25 home runs and bat about 260 this year i don't want to discuss whether this is possible or not (laughs) i want to just pretend it's going to happen because i truly think that's right where we all believed all along here his capabilities lied. I think that's kind of what we hoped he'd produce for us, right? I mean, that was our baseline. Some people obviously thought he could be way more than that, but realistically, I think 25 home runs and 260, he's a pretty good player. If he does that, do the Pirates have to consider viably not buying out his contract if they can't get a deal done with him? Do they have to keep him next year? Or do they just wash their hands of him no matter what? Let's start with Jim. Okay, so leap of faith here. 260, 25 bombs. All right. I've accepted it. I've digested it. It's real. Um, Daydream believer. We're ready to go. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Um, let's see. Off the top of my head, what was the buyout again for next year? Three mil. Three million. You know, I'm having trouble figuring out where the balance would be if if he's if he's playing that well. Would the extension would an extension even be part of the equation? Would he be traded before then just because he's producing well enough i think if we're having one conversation we might be able to have another um yeah when does he get those numbers let's say let's (laughs) say he's got 10 at the all-star break and he hits 15 after you know what i mean okay so um i think you could entertain it i mean three million he puts together that kind of a year well three million Um, is to buy out his contract and send him on his merry way Right. But what I'm saying is, is that's the alternative and they're not having anybody coming up yet that's ready to push for those innings uh, and those at bats. I'd consider it. I think I'd consider it, too. Oh, my God. I don't want to say that. (laughs) (laughs) Craig, Craig or Anthony, one of you has to have a different opinion. Go ahead, Craig. (laughs) Anthony, go ahead. Take this. No, I would I would take I would take that. No. Uh, in a heartbeat, I would absolutely keep him. The base salary for next year, I think it's sitting somewhere around 12 and a half mil. Yep, yeah. I, I would keep that. I would keep that for next year. He's he's hit somewhere in the ballpark of 25 home runs before he hit 23 <sighs> in 2018, I think. So if he hits 25 this year, career high, a uh, good amount of, uh, if he gets some doubles in there, gets some, the average sitting around 260, which would be about career average for him in his even in his good seasons, I'd keep him. Oh, it's so terrible to say. Craig, come on. Are we all for an agreement that we would have to consider keeping him? 
I think that if all of the stipulations that you put in that if he's not traded <laughs> and it, number, and also if he stays healthy, knock on wood, and he hits 25 home runs and bats 260, I think that at that point in time, you have to pick up the option. I don't think you can buy him out at that point in time. I, I there would still, right. I would still be looking for value in trade. And I, I don't see a lot of the people when they were reassigned, there wasn't a lot that I saw going to triple a as far as like the outfielders. That's why we have Alfred. That's why we have, you brought in Fowler. That's why you have Goodwin. Um, because there isn't that depth. So right. I, I hate to say it. I, I would probably be, I don't know. You would basically. Probably, I'd, I'd probably be screaming at the top of my lungs to maybe fire Ben Sherrington if he couldn't get a move at any point in time. Uh, that, you that would pick it up. On, but You'd I pick would it up and run into 2022. Absolutely. I, I 100% would have to. I would oh, have man. to. And, and I tell you why this is like smacking me so hard because I 100% had my, myself convinced there, there was nothing Gregory Polanco could do this year that would cause me to, to change my mind that this is the last one with him, with the rebuilding and everything. But if they can't get a move done and he puts up decent numbers, let's, you know, I'm giving it false numbers here, 25 home runs, 260. This team has next to no power. You figure Col- you figure Colin Moran's going to hit probably in the same range. We're talking twenty-five to thirty, right? I mean, if he really does well. So you're talking about pretty much the same kind of bat, right? Maybe less strikeouts, maybe. Yeah, I. I How think do you get rid of him? Good. <laughs> You've got to keep some kind of power in the lineup. You've got to be able to protect some of your other hitters too. I mean, you've got to be able in today's day and age to have someone who can put the ball over the fence. And um, Yeah, but I mean, I think we'd be keeping him for potential trade value. But it's frightening because, you know, there's no guarantee he'll do that two years in a row. He's never done that. You know, 2018 was followed by 2019. You know what I mean? He's he's always a, a, a half a year away from his next success or failure. So, man, it would be a really tough decision to make, and it's just something to think about as we as we get into this season. You know, you almost you almost kind of hope uh, he doesn't make them think too hard in a way, or they can get a trade done. But we've been waiting for the kid forever. So if he shows up when he's thirty. <laughs> so be it, right? I mean, you take it and run. No, I just think that, you know, that's the hope, I guess, that maybe it is a good first half of the year for him and that, you know, if he is swinging a decent bat and he's hitting close to 15 home runs, that maybe you could move him and, hey, you might have to eat some of that salary to do it. But uh, um, that would be the hope. And then, of course, right. like you said, can he – Look, can he do it one year, let alone two? Yeah, right. I mean, it's almost the same kind of thing. Like, even if Eric Gonzalez decided to to just tear into the, the baseball this year, say the first two, three months of, of the year, he's just tearing it up. He's got Newman benched, basically. They have to trade him. Like, right there. They, they, can't, they can't mess around with, with his one year left that he has as an option. They have to trade him. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it, right? I mean, so we're not – in some cases, we're kind of looking for talent, and in other cases, we're looking for uh, this is a guy we have to trade. And it's really all about where they are in their contracts, correct? I mean, so who else is like that on this team? If Kevin Newman catches fire, you're talking extension. You're not talking getting rid of him, right? Colin Moran's somebody they'd have to seriously think about, though. I mean, if he put up 30 home runs this year, the next first baseman coming is who? Mason Martin? Yeah. I mean, you got Martin, and there's really – I mean, unfortunately, there's – first base is like that position where you, we've talked about before. You could you could move guys over and, and have them fill in or do something different. But, like, a, we don't have – we don't have an Andrew Vaughn 
like the White Sox have. You yeah, know, right. we don't have a we don't have a Seth Beer like uh, that exists. We don't have those that that caliber of a first baseman. We kind of almost like lucked into Martin because uh, it wasn't like he was a high caliber. You know, before he went off in 2019, probably 99 percent of the Pirates fan base didn't know who he was. So, yeah, right. uh, and, and I've even seen if, if Polanco does well, like why not move Polanco to first base? That's been like a, a thing Ugh. that's been discussed, but that, that to me would be, you want to talk about crazy. footwork. Yeah. I mean, man, man. Yeah. Oh, man. I, I've seen that just because of his size, but I, I couldn't see that happening, but you it would make Josh Bell look like Barishnikov. But you, with with Moran, Moran's still young enough. Like he's he's not he's not that old, and he's not that expensive to start talking like a little bit of an extension. Wow. Yeah, I mean, if you could just put a couple of years on on Colin Moran, then there's no hurry. You know, maybe let him develop a little bit more. And I mean, he's just starting to really get consistent, consistent at bats here. I don't know. A lot of interesting ins and outs with contracts because. Even Frazier, you know, he's he's killing it right now in spring training, right? We all expect him to be traded. We haven't seen the market. <laughs> I mean, I haven't even seen murmurs about him in, in months. So either people aren't interested or, you know, something we maybe haven't thought about is maybe the Pirates aren't interested. I mean, maybe they like him as a utility player. I don't know. I mean, the way that Robbie Insmikowski like uh, tiptoes around the subject every time he talks to him tells me that the Pirates are a-okay with them knowing he's supposed to be sold. But do you think that's a possibility with Frazier, Anthony? Uh, keep it keeping Adam Frazier. I don't know. Uh, that's a that's a tough one because the fact that they've kept him this long, kill he's killing it in spring training. But I normally take spring training results with basically a grain of salt but but i think if he continues this into the regular season if he continues seeing the ball well i don't i don't see why they wouldn't have him traded at the trade deadline because i i don't know i thought they were going to trade him this offseason that never happened i didn't think they were going to trade him this spring so i think the trade deadline's the next stop for him and i think he's off this team if he's hitting well enough to to get some value back i'm with you i i thought i think i first wrote about adam frazier being trade bait and 2019 at some point it's uh it's it's amazing to me that he's still here it really is and i don't hate it i love the guy i think he's i think he's a a nice player a good player i'd love to have him as a bench option but it's shocking he hasn't been moved you have to start to wonder at some point do the pirates have a different idea of what they want to do there than we do i don't know what do you think of that craig well, I just think that nobody's really pushed him out of position yet. Um, just, I think Newman had the chance to, if he would have hit like he did in 2019 last year, it would have made Frazier a little bit less needed on this team. But no matter what Frazier does, he's, he's streaky. He goes up, up and down. But I've, I've talked about this a million times. He, he gives you about 275 about 10 home runs and rated an average, like a 97 WRC, an RC plus. So it's, it's more to me, the, the players that aren't pushing him off the roster. So the pirates yeah. may feel like they need to keep him just because they, they don't feel comfortable with what they would have, you know, he plays a decent outfield, but why are you going to move your best second baseman to the outfield just be just to get other guys playing time if they haven't earned it. So to me, it's just, I think it's more on, unfortunately Newman to step up. It's on Tucker to step up and it's on Gonzalez to either be terrible. Like he was the second half of the year or good. Like (laughs) he was the first half of the year and for him, him to do something, but, and that's why they probably kept Gonzalez around because it's like you at least know what you're getting with him. You at least know what you're getting with Frazier. You don't know what you're getting with Tucker and you, you don't know what you're getting with Newman. You'd like to, to think you know what you're going to get with them, right. but it, it hasn't been put up consistently enough to, 
for them to to take a hold of that position. So I, I think it's as much on maybe the market as well as the players within the Pirates not, you know, grabbing that position and running with it. Right. The, why Frazier's still here. Well, what do you think, Jim? I mean, do you think that Frazier is here because they want him here or they just haven't found any, anybody else that wants him bad enough? That's a good question. I hadn't thought of that aspect of it. I've always just assumed that they would want to move him if they could, um, just because it does seem like that is just the mentality across the board. And that, of course, and I, I agree with that. Um, I, I use the analogy with Adam Frazier that uh, it's like having a garage sale and you've got all this good stuff and you have your idea of what's going to sell at the beginning of it. And Adam Fraser is one of those things that you think is going to sell at some point. Like, it's pretty decent. And you're not asking a ton. And people come along and they look at him, pick him up, turn it around, set it back down and walk away. And it just seems like he's that guy at the garage sale, that piece that you just, you, you're sitting at the end of it. And you're like, I can't believe that didn't sell yet. Yeah, sometimes you got to <laughs> toss in a can of Krylon, though. You know, you can't, <laughs> you can't just, you can't just be sitting there trying to sell that nicked up chair. You got to sell the, the, the paint that fixes it too. I mean, Craig and I've talked about that a lot is, is potentially like you need to package some, some people, but I guess maybe it's not even so much about wanting to keep him as much as maybe they don't have the same sense of urgency about it as we do. Like maybe, Maybe the, the urgency to, to make sure he's gone so that Newman can get there and they can put so-and-so at short isn't there for them because that's not really where they want to land anyway. So everything else is kind of going to be an in-between step. Looks to me like just from spring training, Rodolfo Castro could step in right now and be one of the best five, six hitters on this team. So I'd like to see him up here. I think he is who I would want to replace uh, Adam Frazier at second base. So um, I'm not even, I want, I'm, I'm fine with sliding Newman over too, but I'd like to see that youth continue to come up. Rodolfo Castro to me is the most ready prospect in the system right now. So I'd like to see him up. I think he's very versatile too. He, he would actually help out in the outfield as well if he needed to. So well, and we've, we've seen Frazier just get really hot with the bat and do it for a month and, and yeah. longer sometimes. And he just looks like a hitting machine and maybe they can time that. Maybe they can time that getting closer to the trade deadline. And then you can think about bringing up a Castro and, and letting him get his at bats that way. But um, maybe it's just a situation. He's an insurance policy right now. And yeah, they're not in a big hurry to move him. Yeah. So, I mean, Anthony, from, from your perspective, you're watching a team that I guess you, you kind of came on board right around when they were hitting the wild cards, right? Yeah. Like 2016. So like right after they made the playoffs. Okay. So I haven't seen, I haven't seen a single playoff appearance from the Pirates. Since okay. Been so the playoff experience for you is, is kind of like my 1979. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> So you're looking at that, and you and you see the Cueto game in your rearview mirror, but you never actually got to watch it, right? Barely, I barely saw any of that game. So, in your mind, I mean, how do you ingest this team? Like, are are you seeing it as a perennial loser, or are you seeing it as something that you just stepped into? You haven't had time to get jaded yet. Uh, I well, when I stepped into this team, I thought they were gonna make the playoffs obviously I was like well 11 back then I was like okay this team's might might have a chance to win going forward and they started to go on the slow de decline and then I got really into the stats and I got really into the the transactions after that and then I just I just ran with it I had to stay with the team I mean I'm I'm loyal to the team now I guess so <laughs> <laughs> you poor 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 person <laughs> no, it, no it's it's been good um you know having you on for this call because i think there's there's a lot of topics that we just like hammer 
into like we talk about moving Frazier and 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 why they need to do that and everything and then I'm, I'm sitting here looking at the little square of your face and I'm thinking to myself this kid has grown up with Adam Frazier the entire time Adam Frazier has been here from the very beginning of his consciousness watching this baseball team we don't think about things like that at this point you know because we're so used to the Pirates churning and burning through a roster that you know I, I often just wonder how, the kind of feeling that gives you yeah almost polanco too i mean some of these guys i mean i didn't have as much as a a a tie to mccutcheon as as you guys did he won the mvp in 2013 so he was sort of towards the end of his garrett cole too they they both got traded i wasn't as sentimental as others might be on that one but i mean seeing some of these guys leave and then i'm i'm all here for the rebuild i'm i'm ready to watch them get back. I'm ready to watch my first playoff game here for the Pirates, hopefully in a couple of years. It's pretty awesome to to have that around. So on that note, let's go ahead and take another break here. Come back and we'll talk about uh, maybe the Pirates thinking about seriously extending some players. How serious should they take it? Welcome back. Um, We're going to talk a little bit about some players that the Pirates have that, believe it or not, they might want to actually keep around and hopefully for a long time. It's I know it's shocking to some people. Anthony, you've never seen it. We've already covered that. You've never seen them extend anybody, really. (laughs) No. (laughs) So we're going to we're going to talk about something that you may not even believe is possible. But um, Cabrian Hayes uh, is the subject that everyone seems to like to bring up for extensions. Uh, we hear it all the time. It's mostly Hayes, Reynolds. It's funny how we don't hear it about Keller right this second. You know, I, I mean, it's possible that has something to do with, with the rough start he's had this spring. But uh, it's funny because now would probably be the absolute best time to approach him about something like that if you think about it from a very cheap team's perspective. Um, Regardless, I'd like to, to talk about some of these different um, candidates for extensions and kind of kind of get your idea on whether you think it's a good idea to move forward or something like that. Should the Pirates be talking about it? We've already heard they are talking to Hayes about it. Craig, what do you got on this? Well, with Hayes, I, I, I've been in the camp of that we should have extended him as soon as last year, like right when he came up they should have been talking about it like in the beginning of the off season and getting a deal done. Uh, and it's, and you know that I'm, I've pretty much had to eat a ton of crow on Hayes. So it's not even that I was like this huge Hayes believer and thinking that, you know, this is a guy that I is going to change the world, but or about the fact that I knew he could at least be a consistent player and I wanted him to be there, you know, beyond the the six years of control, beyond like what we could, you know, keep him for. And I thought it would be a good time to get it done. And I think from a team perspective, it probably is. From a Hayes perspective, is he going to get a, you know, a, a Robles signing or a or an Acuna signing or something like that? Or is he going to get, he, you know, is he looking more towards the Tatis, you know, type of stuff. And we know that if it's going more towards the Tatis right now, that he's probably not staying in Pittsburgh. Yeah. But I mean, and I'm going to go to, I'm going to go to Anthony on this next, but I'm going to just interject real quick. Tatis ain't going to stay in San Diego that whole time either. That's not what these contracts are about. It's no different than, than Giancarlo Stanton signing with the Marlins for all that money. You knew he was going somewhere else and you knew where. Anthony? Yeah, uh, you're right. I mean, I think the Pirates, it just depends. It all really depends what Kebron Hayes wants. I mean, he hit he hit well last year. He sort of has the upper hand. Oh, he's only played 24 games in the majors. But <laughs> I think I, I think if Kebron Hayes, if he's looking into a shorter extension, like 
five years. Not I'm not sure what exact how many years exactly he wants. Uh, eight years was I know floated out there somewhere. And it just depends how many how many years he wants, what he wants to get paid for the Pirates. I mean, does he see the Pirates winning here up upcoming? I mean, are they telling him they're going to spend money? Are they telling him they're they're going to look into him as as the face of the franchise? Which I'm I'm hoping they're telling him yes. But I mean, it just depends. It just depends what both sides want and if they can come to an agreement. See, their best advertisement for that they're trying are the players that he's surrounded by right now in spring training. I mean, if they do this right, it shouldn't be about money. Yeah, they'll need it, but that shouldn't be what they're trying to sell Cabrian Hayes right now. And I, I think it would have to be eight years minimum because you want to buy out all the free, like a couple years of free agency, right? And these contracts are going more towards 10 years lately. I mean, Jim, is that too scary of an investment in a rookie? Or are we thinking like Pirates fans by being scared of that? Well, 10 years, man, for a for an, a franchise like the Pirates, it would just be such a leap. Um, I know you, you take a look at what we did with Polanco. Um, maybe there's some buyer's remorse or just some hesitation to repeat that and that you can't afford to do it. Uh, you know, Nutting, <laughs> he's, he's definitely – got to sign off on that uh 10 years eight ten years and and anthony brought up a good point 24 games in i mean he's looked fantastic he's killing the ball again this spring um but i think i think we gotta if if it's me i'm waiting this year out i i want to see a full year. And if it ends up costing me an extra year or two on the end of that contract or some money, because I wanted to wait and be sure that's what I would do. I, I I think it's just a little premature. I'd like to see even a half of a year where he looks the same. And then, then I feel a lot better about it. So I think uh, the modern baseball star like a Tatis, they're coming up and they no longer are okay with just giving you those five years of super production for nothing. They'll do it if they have to, like if they get drafted by Tampa. But they're not going to do that on every team happily. Um, Cabrian Hayes, for instance, let's say he goes out there and he puts up Ted Williams-like numbers, like, you know, he started his career as, right? We don't think he will, but let's say he does. Now, if the Pirates next year want him to just continue to eat his rookie deal, I think <laughs> I think he's going to grow resentful. So I think at some point they're going to have to give him some extra money. It upset Garrett Cole very badly and forced his trade a little bit early by doing the same kind of game with a generational talent. So if you actually get somebody like that, you have to handle them slightly different. I do get the impression that Ben Charrington understands that. He did that in Boston. You know, I, I think he handled that situation very well. But there's something pirate in me that just cannot get past how scary that is. It's not my money. I think they have plenty of money. But at the end of the day, Still, there's that voice in the back of my head that says, don't do it. It's too early. We don't know. Oh, we can't miss. You know, <laughs> maybe, maybe we should be able to miss every once in a while and not, not panic. I mean, Craig, I, I know where you're at. You want Luis Robert, basically, right? I mean, you're talking about, like, as early as possible. Yeah, I mean, if I think that you're jumping on it and it's, it's, it's got to be that risk versus reward and – I mean, the Pirates have done it a few times here, and it's it's it was rewarded with McCutcheon, but it was not so much rewarded with you know with neck lips, you know, our boy Tabata. It wasn't you know rewarded. It wasn't rewarded with him. It wasn't rewarded really with Polanco, but it's been rewarded with McCutcheon. So I mean, Marte Marte worked out okay. It worked out okay. So, I mean, that's, there's, you know, so you got like two that worked out pretty well. 
two that didn't haven't worked out so well, but you know, you're still going on with Polanco here that he, we've just had the discussion that, you know, he could, could come around and and at least get something back. But I mean, to me, I, I think you at some point in time have to start taking at least some of those risks. And like you said, a, a player that is going out there and let's say he wins the rookie of the year, let's say he's in the gold glove, you know, you know, conversation. Right. Is he realistically, you said, going to be happy with pulling in where basically what Tampa did, Blake Snell goes out and, and throws like a, a maniac and they give him a pay decrease. Yeah. Like is, is, is Brian Hayes going to, is he going to stand for that? And is he going to, you know, maybe push back a little bit? That's I'm not we... sure, but that's where like, that's, that's where I'm at. I, I just think that I, that's why I say do it just because I think that at some point you're going to have to pull the trigger with somebody. And I think that, I mean, I know it's only been 24 games, but just on his defense alone, I think you could justify, you know, not a, I'm not saying, I don't know what the number would even be, but I feel like you could justify it to more of a degree because you're not relying as much on the bat. The bat is, you know, the basing it's, it's a cherry on top of the ice cream, you know, but Right. The defense plays well enough that it would be worth it. But it wouldn't embarrass you anyway, right? That's what you're saying. So yeah. So Jim, I know you uh, you're okay with the rebuild, but I also know that you've got a whole lot of reservations about you know when and if investment is going to actually come. Would a move like this extending Cabrian Hayes at this point? Would that be enough of a message for you to kind of embrace that things are changing? Or would you think, oh, I've seen this before, they did this with Martin Polanco? I think it would be a definite step in the right direction um, for me buying in as a fan, um, because I am, I'm super skeptical. Um, and you brought it up. I mean, look what they did with Cole. And if they don't learn anything from that, and maybe, you know, when it is time to take care of Hayes, you, you, you have to, you, you cannot treat it. You cannot treat guys like that and expect any type of uh, hard feelings not to start yeah. to exist. We should also probably clarify too. I mean, Garrett Cole was going to leave. He was always going to leave. He was never going to yes. sign an extension here. He didn't want to, his agent didn't want him to. So, but it forced the, but it forced things a little quicker. And I think they felt the need to have to do it. And so it, it, right. it still affected things. The point was it gave them a reputation that they didn't want. Yes. So. Um, yeah, I think it would. I think it's that first big commitment and sign that, okay, we've got our bearings. We've got this new um, regime. We've got, prospects in the pipeline and we're going to lock up one of our our big young star um if they did that i think you can say okay well maybe things are going to be a little bit different but if they don't do that um yeah it's it'll make me question things if it starts to drag out too long and Hayes is really starting to produce like we think he might okay I mean, Anthony, what would that do for you? Would you feel like uh, the rebuild is starting to take shape or are they joining the big boys by doing something like that? I mean, what kind of feeling does that give you talking about Hayes yeah, being extended? I, yeah, I don't think they're joining the big boys in like in that way, but I think I think it would definitely be a step in the right direction. I agree with Jim on a lot of the points that he made. Uh Charrington, he's done this before in Boston, like you said, uh, and he's. This is a. This would be a really good. Th- I think this would be a good thing for for Pirates uh, and and their fans as well. I don't think it would bring a ba- back all those fans that were here during the playoff. They have to see success before they come back. But I think this would give the 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 fans that the Pirates have right now a a good feeling that hopefully, Key Brian Hayes could produce, and hopefully they could they could get back to some some winning. It sounds like it sounds like we're all kind of on the same page here. We'd like to see it happen. I guess to me, I 
I don't think it has to happen this year as long as they play ball with him when he wants a little bit of an increase next year. If, if, if they're going to play games with that, then I'd rather see them try to seek out an extension, even if it was just to the end of arbitration and a couple of years, just to kind of give a little bit of a buffer to get through this perceived window that's, that's coming. And uh, I think everybody would kind of feel a little bit more of an investment. It's weird looking at the books next year and seeing that they just have zero committed. I mean, <laughs> you got 3 million yeah. committed for, for Polanco. It's really hard to look at that and think anything other than, whoa, <laughs> I mean, somebody has to kind of get, get picked up here. And I mean, I mean, I'd like to think Brian Reynolds is probably in the running for, for a conversation like that. But, you know, um, I mean, last year didn't scare me all that much. I feel like he, he's too pure of a hitter to, to feel like he's going to just stay down. I wouldn't let that season get in the way of talking to him about an extension too. I think he was, he would be a nice linchpin out there in the outfield in a linchpinless outfield. So I think uh, Reynolds, you make a good point, and uh, he's just too good of a hitter. Um, he's hit everywhere at every level. What happened last year, uh, hey, maybe maybe it's a situation where you can get a little bit better of a contract situation with him just because of that. Um, I, I, would, I would look at uh, Hayes. I would look at Reynolds. Um, Moran. I want to give him this year. I want to just let him play. He's at first base. I want to see him get 500 at bats. I just want to see what it, what it looks like. Uh, I'm not, I'm not a huge Moran guy. Um, So let's just see where he does this year. Um, But those are the, those are the names that come to mind for me right away. Right. Craig, anybody for you besides Hayes that you'd like them to investigate? I mean, you guys pretty much brought up everybody that I'd even have. And I mean, I, I still hope and, and pray that Keller can turn something around here and, and get something going because I watched him pitch and it looks like so good at times that I'm like, man, this guy could be lights out. And then it, he just starts hanging stuff. Yeah. And I, I can't, I can't, you know, jump onto him yet. Cause before it was like Keller, you know, Hayes and Reynolds. And that's who I was thinking of. But right. I mean, like I said, now I, I, I was even in the camp that if somebody couldn't move over to second base, you know, me last year, I was talking about we either trade Frazier or extend Frazier because you right. can get him on the cheap and, and maybe get him for even less than at, in, you know, and that's the bad part is every single time we're talking here, we're, we're trying to get, we're trying to cheat these guys out of money. I just, <laughs> every single time as we are pirates fans, we are yes. pirates fans. We're like, well, let's go to him. Cause he had a little bit of down year. That's, I mean, that's, might be a good way that's to get what a they do to you though. That's, that's what they do that's to the way you. It's ingrained in our brain. And, and yeah. so that's where it's like, yeah. Cause I can remember when Hayes came up, I'm like, well, maybe if he comes up and he plays okay, but he doesn't play too great they'll be able to get an extension on him. But now they can't because he came out and like you said, hit like Ted Williams. So now we're up against it. So, but that's how, that's how we all think now. But like I said, I think that there's, they, they have to trust in, in their evaluation and they have to trust in, in the guys they think that could be a part of it and, and get them locked up sooner rather than later. And some of them aren't going to work out, but you know, some of them might. You know why I, I know I assembled a good group here for this talk? Because not a single one of you brought up that um, Cabrian Hayes doesn't need to worry about money because his dad's so rich. Because I already had in my back pocket the whole the, the actual facts of what he made in his career ready to slap right in somebody's face. And nobody brought it up. I mean, it's <laughs> that's no, what that that gets thrown in my face on Twitter all the time. Every time we talk about like an an, ex, an extension for Hayes, they go, "Oh, he doesn't need the money." Come on, yeah, Daddy that made comes, ten million total. That comes after the podcast airs. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, but uh, you know th- this has been another great talk, guys. We're out of time for this week, so I am going to have to wrap it up. But 
Um, I figured I'd, I'd do things a little differently on the end here. Last time I kind of read off everybody's Twitter handle and whatnot. I think today I'm just going to let you all have a parting shot, kind of a last minute plug on your way out the door. So let's start with you, Anthony. All right. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. That's going to be at, at City of Bridges P on Instagram. It's at City of Bridges podcast. Uh, I have my own podcast. It's City of Bridges. You can find it anywhere. And obviously, uh, check out my stuff, Gary's stuff, and Craig's stuff on InsideTheBucksBasement.com. Writing stuff there. Really good stuff. Craig? Uh, you can follow me on uh, Twitter, uh, at BucksBasement. You can follow me on Facebook. It's Bucks in the Basement. I am on Instagram, but I don't I don't even know why I have it. I, I don't think I look at it too much, but if anybody wants to go there, I, I do share the podcast on there as well. And you can always find us at uh, bucksinthebasement.com and you can follow that to the uh, inside the Bucks basement as well. And Jim, on to you, sir. Oh man, how am I supposed to follow all that? Jim talks about all kinds of cool stuff on Twitter and he has lots of fun no I mean honestly if you like anything Pittsburgh anything Pittsburgh especially the sports follow Jim Stam he is the man and he is fair on every subject that you can think of that's the best compliment I can give the man well I appreciate that Gary yeah at Twitter it's uh at Jim Stam 22 it's for the city underscore four one two. Um, yeah, I'm a Pittsburgh guy through and through. Love talking sports. Love the interaction. And um, today was fun, guys. Thanks, everybody. And we will um, obviously be hanging out in the asylum as well. So if you have comments, leave them for me there. No reason the conversation needs to end just because the podcast is over. And-